Welcome to another Ford the Rock podcast presented by The Element of Rockford. And here's your host, Ed McCullough, director of The Element. It's another podcast from The Element of Rockford. It's Ford the Rock. Our guest today is John Groh, the president and CEO of the Rockford Area Convention and Visitors Bureau. John has been there a while as a Rockford native. So we're going to start out today with just a little of his background, and then we'll get into, because summer's coming up, we'll get into tourism and all the things that'll be happening around town this summer. So John, you're a native of Rockford. You went to college and things where? Well, I yeah, I am a native of Rockford. Uh, spent my whole life here. Went off to college in the St. Paul, Minneapolis area to a school that was then Bethel College, now Bethel University, and after school returned. Ultimately got my uh, MBA from Northern Illinois. I think this is a Rockford-based podcast, so a Rockford question is always, where did you go to high school? <laughs> That's right. I went to Rockford East High School. Once in ERAB, always in ERAB. Oh, once in ERAB, always in ERAB. And now getting the roads in front of it fixed. Yes. <laughs> or, or close to it anyway. I don't know if that's included. I was curious. I mean, did you take courses either at Northern or at Bethel that involved not-for-profits? or Was that always your intent? Oh, no. It wasn't my intent. I didn't know anything about the world of destination marketing or community development in college. I was a marketing major, communications and marketing, and had an interest in political science. It was actually summer after my junior year of college that I was coming home after having spent a semester in Washington, D.C. and needed an internship. I applied at a couple of organizations, including the Convention and Visitors Bureau for a summer internship. Had a fun time. I guess I did some good things that summer. Ultimately got hired as my first job out of college. Right. Okay. So it was your first job and how you got there was the internship program. That's when Wendy Perch was running it then? In yeah, yeah Wendy Fisher was the director and Martha Mitchell, uh, who just recently passed away, was our uh, number two. Martha actually hired me before she went to Beloit, uh, worked under her, and then worked for about eight or nine years for Wendy as the director. And then you got promoted after Wendy left? or I spent a couple of years at the Chamber of Commerce. When Einer Forsman first was running the chamber, I went over across the street, literally, and worked for Einer at the chamber for a couple of years. And kind of what, what I always thought of was the member facing, so the education, networking, communications, programs, political affairs. Uh, and then in 2009, came back and was hired as the CEO for the Visitors Bureau. And I've been there since. Okay. So it's 2009 when you came back and took the CEO job. Okay. I guess I'm curious, was there any great decision about coming back to Rockford? Was it just family you wanted to come back or? Yeah, you know, I don't know. I wanted a job. <laughs> The uh, ultimate destination decider. Right. You know, 2000, uh, that was 1999, needed a job, wanted a job, and was pretty type A in that regard that I wasn't going to live in my parents' house or their basement. And so had been looking at an opportunity in Washington, D.C. that was taking a long time. Kind of was interested in something in Minneapolis at an ad agency. That didn't materialize. Wendy and Martha had been pursuing me all really my senior year. You know, the communications position they opened up for me was one that fit my skill set and my interests. And so I came back thinking, well, I'll do this for about a year and then I'll move to Washington, D.C. <laughs> right. I'll and, do it uh, for a year. That's 20, a Rafford story. Yeah. 24 years later or so, I'm still here. Okay. And, and happily so. Okay, good. Well, then let's talk a little bit about there was a recent announcement. The Genie Gang is going to design 
the International Ladies Baseball Museum. And there were some renderings in the uh, newspaper. Now, I'm bringing this up, one, because Jeannie Gang is now a renowned international architect. She did some work here before. She got famous, like uh, Starlight Theater out at Rock Valley. Uh, did some consulting work, actually, for the Rivert Park District back in the day. So I've thought about this. This is probably going to be a very unique facility. One, because Jeannie's designing it. And two, is there anything else like it anywhere in the country that dedicates itself to women's baseball? Great questions. And it is exciting to think about a second facility in Rockford designed by Jeannie Gang, who is you know, born and raised in the area in Belvedere. Currently considered one of the, you know, it architects around the world, has won national and international awards and recognitions for her work and the work of her firm. The, you know, Starlight Theater was really her first large public commission. And I think that's something that, you know, we can be very proud of. As you look at the trajectory of her career, where it's gone in the last, you know, 15 years or so. The International Women's Baseball Center, to my knowledge, is nothing like it. And that's what makes it unique. In, in, in trying to lift up, celebrate, and further the sport for women and girls. Certainly, there's a piece of it that will celebrate the Rockford Peaches and the team and the individuals who play their historic tie to Rockford. But really, IWBC is about celebrating and you know, furthering uh, the role of women in baseball. So the activity center and the museum that would be built there in a campus setting at Byer Stadium on 15th Avenue and Seminary would be really stunning and unique, I think, based on the drawings you've seen that I've seen. And, you know, we're so proud as a community right now of having a beautiful Frank Lloyd Wright property. Think about 20 years, 30 years, 40 years from now, if we have Starlight and IWBC having two prime example architectural works and works of art, by Jeannie Gang. I think in the future, Jeannie will be in the same sort of legacy as Frank Lloyd Wright. So to have another building by her that celebrates women in baseball and the Rockford Peaches, I think will be transformational for near south area of town and for Rockford as a city to live in and as a destination to visit. I tend to agree with you. You know, we seem as a country and a society to love star power. And Jeannie Gang right now and Studio Gang have tremendous star power. I mean, she was named to Time's list of top 100 most invisible people in the world as a MacArthur Genius Award winner. So I personally know Jeannie a little bit, and I'm just delighted she's back doing something. And Hopefully we can put the money together and, yeah. and get the project accomplished. The other thing about this and is that women's athletics and women's sports is just really starting to take off. Convention Visitors Bureau have been in this in a way, since the beginning of, of the really of the happening with sports core and soccer and, and softball and things. Let's talk a little bit about how women's sports and girls' sports got started and how big it is in Rockford, what it means to the community. I think it depends on where you want to start in that timeline. I, I spoke at the Rockford Peaches, and certainly I think historians and people who pay attention to athletics and the advancement of women in that space. There's a lot that ties back to the women who played in the All-American Baseball you know, League, uh, Girls Baseball League. There's a lot of ties in like Title IX back to the women who played professional ball where, while men were off to war. But if you, you know, bring that forward to where we are today and our work as an organization in bringing visitors to the community, one of the big 
focus areas has been since 1984 when our organization was founded was growing amateur sports tourism in Rockford. You know, the visitors who come here spend money. And so then a very new facility, which then was just called Sports Core. Now we call it Sports Core One because there's two of them. And this is the facility out on North Main. This is the facility off of North Main. Yep. Um, that was, you know, built by the Rockford Park District in 83, 84. And at that time, you know, was very full during the week for soccer and softball for uh, local play and was sitting empty most weekends. And so... At that time in our country and in the Midwest, travel sports were growing, you know, just a seed of what they are today. And our founder, Wendy Fisher, along with folks like Bob Papich at the Park District, thought that we could use these facilities that are, you know, present seven days a week, but really only used by, you know, locals for five days a week. Let's use them on the weekends to bring visitors in. And so... We've been doing that ever since, and we can talk more about that. But back to your question, we know from a economic perspective, if we book a girls' tournament, girls' soccer, girls' softball, the per capita spend and the number of people in a travel party is significantly higher than if it's boys or if it's adult men or adult women. I mean, we, we, we travel with our sons, but sometimes it's just me and one of my sons going to a tournament. Often across the industry, people see this when a young female athlete is competing in soccer or volleyball or basketball, more of the family is inclined to travel with them as a small vacation, as a small getaway, than if it's just a male child of the family or if it's an adult traveling to a tournament. So I, we often say the best bang for our buck is booking female athletic amateur sports tournaments. All right. So this partnership started, this particular partnership started in 1984, which is when the CVB was founded, right? right? And that was a partnership of the city, the park district, and... The chamber. So the bureau grew out of the chamber. Early 80s, tough economic times in our community. Very tough. We had 18, 20% unemployment. Sustained, right? The conversation at that time between... People like Rex Parker, who was running the clock tower, Webbs Norman, John McNamara, senior, senior, thinking through ways to diversify the economy. There was some activity at the state level that would have incentivized and provide funding from the state's hotel tax if local communities would also invest in tourism. So the chamber had for many years had had a tourism committee and launched the Convention and Visitors Bureau as a standalone nonprofit. Uh, with a small staff and a small budget that has obviously grown over time. So in 84, when we launched, one of the first partnerships was with the Park District to look at how to maximize and you know what we have uh, to grow it for the benefit of residents by bringing in more visitors. And that's kind of what we've always done. Uh, as a destination, we look at what are the products that we have that others might be interested in traveling to here for, and what are the additional experiences or products that residents would enjoy and visitors would also come because of. Okay, we try to cut through jargon here a little bit. So when you're talking about a product. Product. I'm talking about a place like, think about Sports Core. Now Sports Core 1 and Sports Core 2. So that's a product. That's a product. You know, people will come here because of it. Anderson Gardens, Clem Arboretum, Nicholas Conservatory, the Coronado, the Art Museum Discovery Center. These are all experiences that locals get to enjoy in our daily lives and are reasons for people to travel. When you think about it in reverse, when you think about where you might want to visit for the day or for a weekend or for a longer vacation, you think about a community and its assets. I want to travel there because it's a great culinary scene. I want to go there because they have great theater. We really love to golf, so we're going there for golfing. 
And so these are experiences that are consumable by people who will come here because of them. And so one of the things we've always looked at is, what do we already have? How do we leverage those? What do we need to get more people to come here and to increase our quality of life? One thing you know that we sometimes think about is, we don't have mountains or oceans. We're not a Big Ten school city. We're not a state capital. We don't have former presidents that are from here. These are all reasons that become reasons that people go to destinations or go to cities. Mountains and beaches and Mickey Mouse all draw people places. So in Rockford and communities like us, you know, we think about what are the assets, our parks, our preserves, our rivers. Downtown increasingly has become a destination that people want to come to because of the collection of assets. And that's what, you know, as an organization for almost 40 years now, we've tried to do. We've taken what we have, we promote it, we work collaboratively with others to, you know, introduce new experiences. Again, always important for the residents who are here and for the visitors that will come for them. There was a book written back in the late 90s called The Experience Economy. So you're using that word a lot. You're suggesting that people really travel for the experience. And when they're going to a destination, it's what's there that excites them? Is that, am I getting it? Absolutely. I mean, Sometimes we travel out of necessity. Let's say we're doing business with a company and you have to go there because you have to be face-to-face with whoever's there. That's your reason to travel. As a business person, you might then want to, you know, enhance your trip by a night out for good food or whatever. But when we're picking places where we travel because, you know, we're, we're fully in charge of our itinerary and our decisions, whether it's for sports travel or leisure travel, we go places that we're compelled to visit. We want to go to Charleston because they have great food. We want to go to Augusta because of their art scene or their historic riverfront. Different places, different communities. We go there because we're compelled by the experiences that they offer. And that's what we have to do here in our community. Continually enhance the product, the experience that a resident's going to have than a visitor will enjoy. I frankly should know this, I guess, but does the city and the convention bureau have an overall marketing theme that would extend outside that says come to Rockford for a vacation or for soccer or for whatever? And where's that take place? Where's that marketing happen? So our sports marketing is different. The messages there are different than if we were marketing to a leisure visitor. So when we're talking to... Excuse me, it was just, uh, that's interesting. So it is different. If you're doing tournaments at Sports Corps, the advertising or marketing there is different than saying, come to Rockford and enjoy the art museum, enjoy the sculptures down. Well, think about in the case of a sports tournament director, we're or a sports tournament. We are messaging to a tournament director, a decision maker who has the decision-making ability to direct hundreds, if not thousands, of people to come. So there we're talking about facilities like the Sports Factory or Sports Corps 2. You know, how many fields, how many courts, what's the price, what's the quality? You know, how convenient are we to get your audience to Rockford from multiple states away? What's our price point? Are we competitive from a hotel perspective? Do we have enough rooms? You know, it becomes very technical in nature, but quality is important in that space. When we're talking to a leisure visitor, somebody who's coming here for gardens or golf or culture, that's a different message. It's about the experience that you have. And there we talk about Rockford being real and original. The experiences being high quality, 
being unique to our community, only available in our community. But just an example of how we talk differently to different okay, customers. So it's interesting in, in the sports world or the sports and tournament area, that becomes a promoter, but there is somebody organizing the second or the fifth annual girls soccer, blah, 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 sports corps on, in June or July this summer. And you're selling him or that organization that's sponsoring the yes. event. You're not marketing so much to the participants. You're marketing to this. More of a sales process. So our staff connecting with tournament directors, which you know could be a you know a representative of a national governing body, uh, an events rights holder, working in, you know through trade shows, relationship building over time. Uh, being aware of their tournaments and their needs, their schedule, their rotation pattern, and communicating the benefits of being in Rockford. Now, Rockford, over now 40 years, has built a strong reputation in the market, so that serves us well. But we continually have to go to market, if you will, because customers have lots of options. The amateur sports market has boomed in the last 40 years. There were a couple of communities that had facilities our size, Communities across the country of all sizes are building mega facilities. You know, you drive to Iowa, there's one in Davenport, TBK Bank Arena and Stadium and Complex. Uh, Springfield's building a new one. Peoria opened one a couple of years ago. There's as more softball and baseball. But there's so much more competition than there ever was in the 80s and 90s and early 2000s that we continually have to be out there, you know, talking about Rockford and the region and what, you know, not just the legacy of our product and our experience, but what we can do today. And then this also comes where the execution of the tournament, which is the park district's job. Am I correct? Yeah. So that so, has to be there. I yeah, mean, they so, have so, to so think deliver. about like we as an organization at the Visitors Bureau, I say we sit in between buyers and sellers. We're facilitating a process. So there's a buyer, if you will, a tournament director. There's a seller, somebody with space. It could be the park district with sports core or the sports factory. It could be the BMO for the arena or bowling centers for bowling tournaments. And, you know, we're bringing them together. But, yeah, ultimately, the facility, park district, et cetera, they have to run the facility in a way that meets the tournament director's needs. Is it, are the fields maintained? Are the courts kept up? Is it clean? Are, is the staff hospitable? Is parking easy to get in and out of? Are the facilities secure and feel safe? Do things when you're there in the building run on time? Or if they have a concern, and is it addressed quickly? Customer service and delivery of the promises that we made in the sales process, critical um, on the part of the facility directors and staff to deliver. And we have great relationships with the teams at the Park District and other facilities in the community to execute well. I'm just assuming, but clearly a part of this is everybody goes out to eat. So restaurants in the various areas, whether it's an event at the BMO, so it's restaurants downtown or sports corps, the Prairieville, a Riverside corridor, corridors. So now are they aware or how are they notified or they keep up somehow? You have a website they go to? So we do send communication out if it's you know so thinking back a couple of weeks uh, the Illinois Kids Wrestling Federation was downtown Rockford at the BMO and a few weeks before that a week-long event a synchronized skating event was in town and so you know those type of events that happen that are uh, scaled at a bit higher of a level individual communication with restaurant owners in the downtown area and beyond about that specific event you know the staff sends out 
calendars of upcoming events to downtown business owners, as well as restaurateurs from throughout the area to notify them. But really, I think our restaurants over time, especially, you know, they know in the summer months, there's going to be a lot of soccer and softball or, or other tournaments in town. And so part of it is just being sort of always ready and always on for a lot of these businesses. Hotels obviously know what's coming in the door because it's their customers. Uh, they have a direct connection with groups or individual parties booking. Uh, but yeah, we do try to facilitate through, you know, great customer service on behalf of the client. Also having a side that is facing towards the local businesses, whether it's retail, restaurant, hotels, transportation, making sure they know who's coming in town so they can be ready. They can be ready, ready with the right amount of staffing. They can be ready with the right amount of product, you know, adjust their reservation details so they can, you know, accommodate large groups at a moment's notice. Those are all things that go into delivering a high quality customer service experience. So this goes really way beyond just a sport. So it is a lifestyle, but it's it's a variety of activities that bring people in to the community. Mm -hmm. And what's important economically here is these are dollars that are coming into the community, not going out and circulating back in, which grows the economy. This doesn't put you on a spot here, but do you have any sense of what percentage of the local economy is tourism? I don't have a sense of what percent is local tourism. I guess I could work on that. But, you know, we know that, and we should be very proud, I think, as a community that in the early 80s decided to invest in tourism as a strategy. I think it was a strategy that a lot of people laughed at. Like, you know, why would people come to Rockford? You know, we're a blue-collar, working-class town. We're not a vacation destination. And so from that point to where we are today— so much progress has been made. In the 10 years leading up to the pandemic, spending by visitors in Winnebago County grew at rates faster than the 12 comparable markets that we benchmark against in the state of Illinois, except for Cook County. And we were just slightly below Cook County's growth rate. We were growing faster than those 11 of 12. We were growing faster than the state average. And so things were really working. And even now where we are in 2023, looking back at how bad things were in 2020 and 2021, we didn't fall as far as some destinations, and we are recovering more quickly than most of the destinations that we can, destinations, I mean cities in the area or counties in the state that are populated like us. And so there's a lot of resiliency built into our tourism economy. One of the big pieces is sports. Amateur sports is one of the most resilient markets, and so that continues to bode well for our community. Outdoor recreation also really bloomed in popularity during the pandemic years of 20 and 21, and that continues. And with, you know, some 30, 40,000 acres of protected parks and preserves and riverfronts, that is serving us well. And going forward, I think will be a really positive contributing aspect of our tourism economy and just our quality of life for residents. So for instance, Rock Cut Stake Park attracts X amount of people every year. Over a million people every year. Over a million people every year. Okay, folks, listen to that. Rock Cut Stake Park attracts over a million people a year. And it barely gets a blip on the, quote, local radar, close quote. Right. 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 But these are all people coming in, spending money once again, right? I, I think tourism can be hard to see, right? Like, people don't check in and they're, you know, unless it's like the red hat ladies, you know, and I don't know if everybody even knows what that is, but it's a social group that anyway, 
of women who travel and they wear brightly colored red clothes or purple clothes, or, or unless it's, you know, a team dressed up in their uniforms, we don't say those people are not from here. They're from Michigan or Minnesota. You know, everybody blends in, right? But when you look at the statistics, you know, Anderson Gardens, I think it could be as high as 70 or more percent of the visitors who are at the gardens on a daily basis when they're open are not from our immediate area. That's true at Discovery Center. It's true at the Coronado. It's true at the Laurent House. Those are visitors who come here because of the products that we have, the experiences that they can enjoy. And what I love to think about is without those visitors, those places that as residents we enjoy would not be there or would be significantly different. In business, if 60, 70% of your customers went away, you wouldn't be in business. And so when we know that the Ice Hogs or the concerts at the Coronado, the significant majority of folks who are there on any given night might not be from Rockford, Winnebago County, or the immediate area, that's significant in thinking about the quiet, unseen benefits of other people's money in our community. And just from personal experience, I've noticed and talked to people at BMO and at the Coronado and most of the concerts, most of those shows, over well over half, are really from out of town right. or outside a 10 or 15 mile radius. The element helped put on the Friday night flicks for the first summer and we did an informal survey and it shocked us to find out that half the people coming downtown were not from Rockford per se. We had people coming from Beloit, Janesville, up from Byron and places. And, you know, it was like, are you kidding me? But that's it. I mean, think about for a lot of people, Rockford is their big city experience. It, it sounds strange, but it is, this is true. If you think about the, you know, hour or so around us, there's there's a lot of smaller communities. And so whether it's shopping or recreating, Rockford offers something to those folks that they don't have in their own communities. And even when you're looking at other communities like Dubuque or Springfield or the Quad Cities, we have what I would say, you know, a very competitive and even larger presence of arts, culture, recreation, entertainment amenities than those communities do. I mean, the fact that we have wonderful museums like the Burpee and the Discovery Center, the Laurent House and Tinker and Midway, so many communities don't have the, I don't want to call them redundancies because they're not redundant, but the, the number, the quantity and the quality of cultural organizations that we have. I think that's built in a lot of ways on our industrial wealth that was created here and now is being sustained through visitors and their money coming to us. I think you're right. As one in, industrialist once said to me, go look at the names in the hospitals. You know, the old industrial families, and you can look at some of the art uh, museum and things, and sure enough, right. you're going to see some of those names in and around the Discovery Center. So those are the assets Rockford has. And I guess I want to emphasize that these are the new dollars to grow an economy. If you think about Hollywood, I always use this as an example with people. Hollywood, you draw a big circle. Think of all the money that's flowing into Hollywood from all over the world because of the products they have right? They can't possibly spend more than the money coming in, mm -hmm. right? They probably have $100 coming in for every dollar going out, probably a million dollars coming in. So for us to grow our economy, we have to have dollars coming in as the offset the ones we're spending. You have to have, if you're going to have a growing economy, you have to have a net growth, right. GDP, if, you know, your own growth index. And tourism clearly is a major function there. Then one of the things I want to talk about, because it probably does attract people from outside of town, and it's an event you started, I think, about 10 years ago. 
But stroll on state has become just an absolute tradition. And people start looking forward to it months in advance. Yeah, Stroll has been a wonderful addition to the community that, as an organization, we're proud to be able to continue to uh, produce and make happen for the community. But, you know, I'll go back just for a second to comment about Hollywood and how tourism you know, is bringing other people's money in. Tourism is classified by the federal government as an export industry. So think about a manufacturer who makes something here and sells it to somebody else in another community, another state, or another country. The person buying that piece of equipment from a rock for manufacturers sending their money from their community to our community, and the product is going out to that community. That's an export. Tourism is the same way. Somebody else who makes their money and resides elsewhere comes to our community to purchase something in our community. It's just that the what's being taken away is a memory of that experience, not a physical good necessarily, although that does happen in form of retail sales and such. So every dollar that we can bring to our community that isn't earned here is a dollar that we're investing in our community. And you're right, growing, thriving, prosperous communities have strong trading system where uh, you know more and more and more of what they make or produce is bought by somebody else. And so visitation in that way is is good because Visitors come here, they spend their money, they take their memories, and in the process, they're putting people to work, they're improving our quality of life by supporting the businesses or the organizations here, uh, they're generating taxes that you know pay for police and fire and public work services through sales tax and other taxation. The benefits are, are significant and robust, and that's why we have to you know continue to grow the industry. But to events and experiences like Stroll on State, that's when we start to see the work of organizations like ours growing and evolving beyond destination marketing to destination management, cultivating the experience that brings in even more people. So 10 years ago now, we, we celebrated the 10th annual Stroll on State back in November. Uh, Stroll was started at a time when downtown there was some growing momentum. We were looking forward to the opening of what became the Sports Factory. There was movement, although not an agreement on what became the embassy suites. And so we were looking at how do we, you know, create more experiences that bring people together. And that was also after On the Waterfront uh, met its demise. And there was some concern about, you know, bringing the community together. So Stroll on State, which for those who may not know, always happens the Saturday after Thanksgiving, is a kickoff to the holiday season, both the celebration of the season and the kickoff to the shopping season, which is important for downtown retailers, and was started in a way that would bring people downtown who maybe hadn't been in the downtown for some time, and to help those folks see and imagine downtown as greater than they remembered or knew it to be. And so over these 10 years, which it's hard to believe it's been that long, I, I hope we've been successful. There's lots and lots of volunteers and supporters that help make it happen, but we love the event because it we hope, and we think it does, creates new perceptions of downtown Rockford and the central city for those folks who are coming, you know, more than 70,000 every year in those seven hours uh, that uh, the event happens. You know, retailers tell us it's, it's great for business. Some people call it their 13th month because they do as much business in one day in those seven hours as they might otherwise in a full month of operations. And it's just a great start to their holiday shopping season because Retailers, as you know, 
that month of December could be critical for them. Again, kudos to you and to your staff and to all the volunteers, especially, because a tremendous number of volunteers are involved, and to the downtown merchants. But it's always historically delivered an excellent experience. We go back to that. And it's great for families. That was one of the other things I always thought was great about it. You know, now you have a reason to bring Johnny and Susie downtown, and they may not otherwise ever see downtown until how old they are. An editor of one of the sections in the newspaper, the Register Star, who was surprised, she texted me or called me, surprised as all get out that there were strollers at the event. Not stroll on staters, not people walking, baby strollers. And she was just flabbergasted by the number of families with strollers who were at the event. And that was really, you know, intentional, you know, making sure that we were marketing and, you know, producing an event that was uh, intended for families. Visits with Santa and sleigh rides and, you know, music and fireworks, you know, a very festive, joyous event that helped people come together. And as a community, that was important to us. But to see the community in a new way and, and, and to imagine what was possible versus what was maybe viewed as not possible. And I think that's fantastic. And to me, it's also one of those things that now is a little bit like 4th of July is a big deal in Rockford. It's not a big deal in every city, but here we make it a big deal. Tip of the hat to the late Joe Marino, but it's a big deal and the city cooperates. Now we have Stroll on State in the wintertime, very big deal. Mm -hmm. And the more events like we can have like that that bring the community together, the better we are as a community. And that's what differentiates growing communities, thriving communities, winning communities, is they have experiences for, you know, the breadth and depth of their population, and they become compelling magnets to bring visitors into a community. When you think about where you might want to live or where you might want to, you know, vacation or visit, you're thinking about communities that are thriving. Their streets are bustling and, you know, venues are full of innovative events and experiences. And so, you know, that's why I think events like Stroll or City Market are important. They send signals about the health and vitality of a community. And, and by the way, they're just a lot of fun to be at. We're taking a break right now. It's time to refill our bank account. We'd like to thank the Eckberg Insurance Group for supporting the Elements Ford the Rock podcast. Please go to Eckberg.com to connect with Tyler Pickering. He'll work with you on all your insurance needs, whether they be personal, business, or not-for-profit. Once again, go to Eckberg.com for all your insurance needs. In terms of products, uh, let's go back to that a little bit, because I can remember I have a brother who lived in Evanston for a while, in a little backyard barbecue, and the folks next door were retired professors from Northwestern. They found out I was from Rockford, and they started pumping me for restaurants. And these are people in their late 60s, early 70s. And I'm going, you know, excuse me, why are you asking about this? We drive there for the day, or we'll drive there overnight. It's our getaway place. I was just blown away. But how many people like that come to the art museum or Midway Village or to the Cor- an event at the Coronado? So I think it's important for people to understand it's always not the sports tourism. Right. But these other assets are very important. I just wanted to emphasize that. The other thing I want to say is, because you do attract so many people, that one of the things that's almost, to me, part of being a good citizen is 
hey, when you meet somebody, when you do meet somebody, be nice to them. You know, you know, welcome them. Give them directions to that parking lot. Give them directions to what you think is the best restaurant or, or whatever. But be gracious. Extend a warm hello and a how can I help. You know, thank visitors for coming here. They are benefiting our quality of life and our economy. And, you know, think about when, when you travel. You want to know where the locals go. You want to know... Well, well that's, that's very true. Where do the locals eat? Yeah. Um, and so, you know, word of mouth and uh, personal recommendation goes a long way. A warm greeting is, is very helpful. You know, one of the things that is really important, you know, for that couple from Evanston or, or uh, wherever somebody's coming is, not only is the big experience, is, is that wonderful. And, I, you know, so think about Anderson Gardens. I, I think of Anderson as a reason to travel. Somebody from another community is, you know, going to get in their car and drive here for that experience. And then when they're here, what additionally will they do and see? And between the experiences of eating and exploring Anderson or going out, you know, finding a retail shop to, you know, enjoy, think about the connective dots between them. You know, placemaking has become really important. Completing the experience of a visitor is super important because that's the memory they're going to leave with. Was the town clean? Was it beautiful? Did I feel safe? Was it easy to get around? All those things add to, but can really define positively or negatively, was the food good? Was my service great at the restaurant? Was the garden beautiful? And so it's those connective dots, if you will, of public art and beautification and clean, green, and safe kind of programming that have increasingly become much more important in recent years to make sure the whole experience a visitor or a resident is having in the community. Well, let's talk about that a little bit, because one of the things that you've done, and I'm not sure who your partners are in all of this, but the mural projects downtown and the beautification across the board starting in downtown is now moving out, and the murals, I think, are moving out too. But that beautification, to me, is extraordinarily important, and kudos to you and the CVB for leading the way there. But what is the status of both those programs, the sculptures and the uh, murals? So we are getting ready to have the the next installment of what we call Creative, which is our mural program. We started that in 2019, pandemic pause in 20, 21, and 22. Each year, about 10 large-scale murals have been created around town and in the area, including in Loves Park, in Pecatonica, in Roscoe and Rockton. So this year, we'll do it again, where we hire local and visiting artists to create these compelling works of art on the sides of big buildings. I I like to think about it as museum-quality art on big walls for free. You know, the gallery is free. It's all over the community, wherever you go. We did start downtown in 2019 when we started Creative, uh, and then since has grown to include the North Main, North End area around the Auburn Street, North Main Roundabout, South Main Street, up in Roscoe, as I said, Rockton, Pecatonica. This year, we'll also be expanding to South Beloit, so we're excited about that, as well as as neighborhoods throughout the central city in Rockford. So we hope people love these murals. Uh, we hope that there's something that inspires them, encourages them, brings smiles to their faces. We hope that it says that Rockford's an arts-friendly arts-welcoming community where people are able to express themselves in big ways, quite literally and figuratively, and we're going to do it again. So come the first two weeks of June, 
There'll be up to a dozen additional murals created. We're in the process now of raising the funds to support you know, the entire installation of those murals around the, the region. It doesn't happen easily. It's a big process. I've got to give kudos to the Painters Union, Local 607. They prep and prime and paint all the walls for us. It's a huge contribution and involvement from local trades. Local artists who are part of it have been fantastic to work with. Business owners, wall owners, donors, uh, our staff, a curatorial selection committee that reviews applications. It's a big project, but the results, I think, are big. One thing that's interesting, last year, well, two years ago, let's see, so summer of 2021, we had 40 applicant, artist applicants to be considered for, let's say, it 10 or so murals that we created. Last year, we had... 87 uh, artist applicants from around the country mostly. This year, we had 193 artists apply to be part of the creative program. We're thrilled with that because it shows and demonstrates that the quality of what we do in Rockford and the quality of the creative program is something that speaks to artists who, who want to be here and want to be part of our creative community. Well, that really does. I mean, they're not coming here because it's a schlock operation. You know, that kind of growth signifies there's communication and talk among artists. Mm -hmm. Hey, you want to be there. The other thing I find great about it is from a marketing perspective and just from a community's perspective, you now have, you know, one of the things that bothers me about us is we've historically been very negative. So we'll talk about crimes or the schools, but you can't just push that aside. You have to have something to take its place. So if we're not there yet, we're going to be on the verge of being, oh, that town has a lot of murals. I can spend a weekend just going around and looking at murals. I'm into public art. I love public art. And people don't understand, but across the country, there's millions of people who are into public art. And if we can become a public art destination, that's another asset. Another asset, another selling point, another reason to be here or a reason to love living here. The sculptures, you asked about sculpture program. So Rockford has, and I don't know that everybody realizes this, Rockford has a phenomenally well-established, you know, highly curated and well-respected collection of public art, mostly along the riverfront, along the recreation path, biggest being, you know, literally, figuratively everything, the symbol. But the collection of public art that's been donated to the Rockford Park District and to the Rockford Art Museum, which is on display, is of such high quality that our community can be very, very proud of that. And we continue to add to that and, and will add to that. One of the ways that we're also trying to do that to create a sense of pride and uh, in improved public spaces is by having a rotating series of public sculpture that every two years, in and probably six or seven years ago we started, uh, have been rotating works that are on loan through a really a rental, if you will, um, agreement where there's a stipend paid or an honorarium paid to an artist to loan their piece of, of sculpture to the community. And those have been in downtown, in the North End, uh, the near West End, and a couple other neighborhoods that were uh, trying to push those things out into neighborhoods as well as residential neighborhoods as well as the commercial neighborhoods. So, but that's an ongoing program. When's the next rotation going to take place? Well, we're hoping the next rotation will be this summer. We're working on that, funding dependent. Uh, you know, everything costs money. So uh, we are raising money to repeat that program. It's about a $50,000 endeavor every time we do that every two years. 
So that's not a small chunk of change. I think it's important to note, and I, again, appreciate this about the Visitors Bureau and about your leadership, is beauty sells, beauty works. Mm -hmm. And people don't often think about that. But beautification, there's a reason that the land across from the Central Park in New York is among the highest, if not the highest priced real estate in the world, Mm -hmm. right? It's beauty. It's the park. It's the facility. I always used the South Michigan Avenue before Millennium Park was a bunch of railroad tracks. And you could pick up a building there, dollars on whatever. And now it's among the highest priced real estate in Chicago. So You know, it's so important. And I, I appreciate that you recognize it. The way a community looks matters. And it says a lot about the community itself. And it says something to residents as well as visitors. You know, when a community is well-maintained, when there are beautiful public spaces, and I don't just mean parks, but, you know, boulevards and, you know, the sides of roads and, you know, public plazas, those things say that we're thinking about you, we care about our community, we want you to have a high quality of life or a high experience. That also sends messages to our visitors. Think about when you go to communities What's the arrival like at the airport when you get off the plane and get into your car and start driving out? When it's beautiful, when it's well-maintained, it says one thing. When it's not, it says another. When you think about other communities and you're in neighborhoods, and I mean all neighborhoods, and is it well-maintained? Are there signs of disinvestment? Are, are there trees? Are there, <laughs> are there flowers? Those all say something about a community and whether it cares for and invest in those things for its residents and for its visitors. And so, yeah, to the extent that I can at the Visitors Bureau, I'll always want to lead into a place that says that the way our community looks matters because it matters for our residents as well as for you know visitors who come. And I hope that's always true, that we will continually be working to better and improve and beautify every neighborhood in our community because increasingly, not only is it important, of course, for residents, but visitors want to be in our neighborhoods. They want those real experiences. The rise of properties like Airbnbs. There's over 200 short-term rental units in Rockford and Winnebago County now that have the highest occupancy rates and the highest average amount paid for an overnight stay of any hotel in our community. That's the Airbnbs getting the most money per night. That's fantastic. Almost double sometimes. And higher occupancy rates than the average hotels. Now, we have great hotels and not saying anything negative against them, but visitors now increasingly are choosing that as an option as well as hotels. So when you're staying in an Airbnb, that's in a neighborhood. People want to have that real experience, that walkable neighborhood experience. And when you're in a neighborhood, you're going to the restaurants in that neighborhood. You're walking to the local shop that's in that neighborhood. And so those are ways that I think the tourism landscape is changing as we go into the future is that the assets won't be as centralized as they have been, let's say in downtown, but the experiences also need to be diffused, uh, diverse in, in all of our communities and all of our neighborhoods. Well, I think a good example of that's the North Main yeah. area, the North Main and Auburn, the North End, mm-hmm. you know, has really started making something of a comeback. So, and, But it's based on all those things. It's based on new transportation. It's based on cleaning up the neighborhood. The buildings are being renovated. There's activity. It's all the things we just got done talking about. Theater, you know, um, think of West Side Showroom and, you know, the Norwegian. And We've got a bank there now. The other way, and it just strikes me now, is that in a lot of ways, we're just talking about nurturing our community, taking care of it. 
and really looking out for its well-being. So, and that translates into what you're talking about, being attracted to people. And so the one last thing I want to ask you about is I know there's something of a program going on about trying to attract or working to attract new residents who are now unencumbered sometimes by having to go to an office. Uh, how's that going? It's going really, really well. So the program that you're, you're asking about is called Made for Rockford and grew out of a conversation that started in late 2019 and early 2020, maybe even before the pandemic st- uh, really set in. It was during the time that the community was leading up to the, the census. And there was a lot of conversation about what our population was going to look like, what had happened in the prior 10 years to population in Rockford and in the county and what would be happening over the next 10 years. Obviously, we know that Illinois has seen outmigration, and that has also been here in Rockford over the last decade. Not as, you know, to the same extent and great rates as in some communities and in some states, but it's still happening. You never want a community that's contracting. So out of those conversations grew this desire of somebody owning population marketing and retention. And so... Then pandemic sets in, the presence of remote work, the fact that people could work almost anywhere. And then, you know, fast forward that, you know, things kind of stabilized. People started going back to the office, but a lot of people have options that they never had before. And so with the city of Rockford, with the support of Mayor McNamara, with the support of the Woodward Charitable Trust, uh, we've been able at the Visitors Bureau to invest in a new program with a lot of research first, and then about our community's attributes as a place to live and work, lining up with our organization's experience in, you know, B2C marketing, marketing and talking to direct consumers, developed Made for Rockford, which is a program, a campaign that speaks to the benefits of living in our community, and also comes alongside the recruiters and the human resource officers within our local companies to help them have the tools and the resources, the know-how, to better recruit to our area. It's just a fact that some of our biggest companies, the recruiters recruiting for them, don't live here or work in our community. You know, that, that is often a centralized function of a corporation, and those folks aren't always here. So whether it's healthcare or uh, some of the bigger manufacturers, you know, they're not always here. Sometimes they are. But by and large, what we've learned is folks in the human resources departments across the community this is true everywhere, not just Rockford, they are so stretched thin. Think about all that was added to their workplace and their work plate during the pandemic and recruiting and telling the story of a community and the benefits of living here and overcoming obstacles that might come up in the recruiting process. It's one of the, you know, they they just don't have time for it. They don't have the resources. So Made for Rockford, you go to the website, madeforrockford.com, has a cost of living calculator where you can compare how far your dollar will go here versus every other MSA in the country. There's a connection to the available real estate, residential real estate that's for sale. There's testimonials of people who have moved to the community and the big quality of life that they're having here and and on and on and on. And we've developed resources for HR offices and recruiters to be able to use and send out to potential candidates so they can see, you know, firsthand um, the positive you know, benefits of living here. And also they can overcome some of the negatives. Historically, over the last 20 or so years, that's been crime and public education. So then we have some materials of, yes, here, here are the crime statistics and public safety statistics, but here are all the things that are being done by the public sector and by the private sector and the civic sector to 
overcome those barriers and challenges and to reduce that over time. Here's what's happening in our public schools. Here are the, you know, programs like Rockford Promise, where you can, you know, live in the city of Rockford. Kids can go to RPS 205. If they meet grade and GPA qualifications, they can go to NIU, you know, on a scholarship funded by the city of Rockford, and, you know, and, and on and on and on. So the program has been up and running for about a year, really successful when we look at our online metrics of website views and uh, engagement. We're in the process now of, of, of working to raise funding to continue this effort over the next five years from the private sector and the public sector, because I will say this, communities that own their story and tell their story are the ones that are winning. Communities and regions that are allowing Google and algorithms on social media to tell the stories of their community are not winning. We can address the challenges and the great opportunities if we're in charge of it as a community. But somebody has to own it. And that's what we said. And not that population marketing was something that's like core and parcel to what the Tourism Bureau is all about. But if we can use the skills and the abilities that we have as a, as a marketing organization, typically deployed towards tourism, visitation, and kind of add on and work with partners to talk about this area as a great place to live, we know that we can be successful in you know, maintaining the population that we have and then growing it from there. I think it's a fantastic effort and long overdue. One of the most important things you said there is we've never had anybody own the story. It's not unlike politics or anything else in the world. If you don't own your narrative, somebody's going to make it up for it. It's going to be there. You're going to have a narrative. You're going to have a story about who and what you are. Better that you put it together and have it make sense for you and kudos to you and Woodward Trust and the city of Rockford for putting that together. And hopefully you'll be successful in raising the funds to continue. I think we have to be. You know, there have been efforts like this over time, but they haven't been sustained. And that's really what's important. I mean, if we have done this work for the past year or year and a half and it's not sustained, it really was like a momentary blip in time where, you know, there was some interest and some awareness that was built, some maybe some demand that was generated. It won't be sustained in terms of the results. And that's what's important. And when you look at Woodward or Collins, uh, when you look at our school district or our large healthcare employers, and they're just like the tip of the iceberg, when, and then all the smaller companies below them, there are so many hiring needs that are out there right now. You know, we will be as a region, uh, continue to be in a talent war for workers against every other city and every other region in the country. And if we're not differentiating ourselves, if we're not owning our story and telling that, uh, we're not going to win. That's right. And it is a talent war. I mean, there's literally thousands upon thousands of jobs in this community that are going wanting. Every major employer that I know of is looking for people. And certainly the restaurant and the service industry is looking for people in a big way. And when you look at the overall quality of life compared to the cost of living, which is low, people can, can have a, a big life in our community. And that's what we're talking about. Your dollar will go farther. Your quality of life will increase. And there's great opportunities to be professionally fulfilled and personally fulfilled living in Rockford. Yes, and we haven't had a Pineapple Express come through lately, nor have we had a hurricane or 
any of those other things. So I've really come to believe that the weather might actually become an asset before this is all said and done over the next 10 years. And certainly think about water. I mean, the Midwest is a water-rich region of our country. That's going to be a significant issue out West. There's a lot of, you know, articles and scholarly thinking about just the Midwest as a destination for, for living and industry because of our water resources. One of the questions we always ask, John, is do you have a vision and this seems like it's probably for you a pretty easy answer, but is there a vision for your organization? Do you have a vision for the city uh, that you'd like to share with us? Yeah, I guess my vision in context of our conversation today is that we would increasingly view ourselves as a destination, that residents would understand and embrace why visitors come here, that it would be you know, a source of pride and something that is almost sort of second nature. Like, well, of course people come here. Of course people vacation here. Of course people visit here because of the amenities and the, the quality of life that they experience as residents, uh, that they would, out of an abundance of sort of, you know, gratitude and pride, want to welcome other people. That certainly is the case for some people, but not for everybody. And I think, Ed, for that to be true, all of our residents have to experience that same high quality of life in every neighborhood and every part of the community. Because if you don't live it, if you don't see it, you might not recognize why somebody else would want to come here and spend their free time or their vacation time and their money. And so, you know, I guess my vision is that the experience that our visitors have would match the experience that our residents have and vice versa, that our residents' experience would be what our visitors would be able to experience. And so that's really getting to issues of having a community that works for all, um, that is equitable, that all neighborhoods are of a high quality. You know, every part of town is a, t a part of town and community that you'd want to show a visitor and that we wouldn't have pockets where you say, well, don't go there. You'll be fine if you stay here. And certainly that happens in almost every community around the world. But to really, truly be a destination that residents are proud to invite others to and that visitors love coming to, we need to level those disparities. Where can people find out this information? For the campaign, the, the Made for Rockford campaign, it's really simple, madeforrockford.com. That's where you can find all the, the quality of life information we've been talking about. But if you're looking for the things to do and the reasons to travel, gorockford.com is our website. I just realized that 25 years ago, we launched our first website. Um, that was right before I came on staff, which it's kind of hard for me to say. I've, I've been around that long. But 25 years, uh, yeah, a long time. But gorockford.com. Great resource uh, for calendar events, things to do, restaurants, and experiences, uh, whether you're a resident or a visitor. And you have it all there. I mean, people who've not been there don't realize you have a listing of restaurants, you have a listing of hotels, you've got it all. So our guest today, again, has been John Grove, President and CEO of the Rockford Area Convention and Visitors Bureau, and a longtime resident of Rockford, longer than he likes to think right now about, perhaps. Thanks again, John, and uh, we'll see you down the road. Thank you for listening to another For The Rock podcast by The Element. You can find us on Apple, Google, or any place you typically access your podcasts.